Good morning, Faith Bible Church. My name is Levi Anderson. I am the pastor of evangelism and discipleship here at the church. And this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about running. Now, I'm still fairly new to the church. I've only been here about five months, so we're still going to know each other a little bit. But folks, family, and friends who do know me, they would find this topic a little ironic because I do not like running, like, at all. Those of you who do, you should know a few things. One, I really respect you. <laughs> and two, I have tried to like it. And sometimes I still try to like it just for the sake of exercise. But to be totally honest, it's just, it's just miserable to me. <laughs> and this is something I felt passionately about pretty much my entire life. Um, a great illustration of this can be seen when I was in middle school. I actually had the bright idea to go out for the track team. You see, I saw these few events where I could just throw pieces of metal around, and that looked pretty fun. But after I joined, I found out that our school had a rule that if you were on the team, you had to do at least one running event. You know, that thing I love to do so much. So uh, my seventh grade self looked at the options here and the rather large numbers, 1,600 this, 800 that, and I just kept right on going down the list to the smallest one I could find. 100 meter dash, signed up. In my mind, this was the easiest option. Now, I don't think easy is necessarily a fair description of the 100 meter dash, uh, but it did require me to run the least amount of time possible. Let's just say it, it didn't go great. If we'd been running those 100 meters in a circle, I, I would have gotten lapped. But as I watched these athletes run, particularly the distance guys and girls, and then I learned there was a whole sport called cross country and these things called marathons, I could not help myself but ask the question and wonder, uh, how? What enables a person to endure like that? I still kind of wonder. <laughs> but as I've grown in my faith, I've, I've actually continued to ask similar questions. Not about track and field, uh, but about the Christian life. Because I'm convinced the Christian life is a whole lot closer to a marathon than a 100-meter dash. And I think that if we plan on enduring this thing, and, and as we endure, doing the things that God has called us to, not just for a day or a week or a year, but over a lifetime, then we have to have a framework to think about how do we endure? So I begin this morning by posing this question. What is your answer to how we are supposed to endure all that life can throw at us as we seek to live for God? When it gets really tough, why do we even try to step forward? How do we do that? And I want to especially think about this as it applies to the reason God has left us here. Our mission to share the gospel with people who don't yet know him. Today I'm talking about this day in and day out experience of being a faithful witness for Jesus. Even when people reject you, push back, ridicule you for a lifetime. How do we run that marathon? Well, these are the questions that uh, a young Timothy was asking as well. And these are the questions that Paul tries to help him think through in his second letter that he wrote to Timothy. So this morning we are going to be in 2 Timothy. You can turn, me, turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
We're going to look at the first 13 verses. So 2 Timothy 2, uh, 1 through 13. Uh, and our main point this morning can be boiled down to one sentence. It's in your bulletin along with an outline if you'd like to follow along. But what we're going to see this morning is this. That the grace of God gives us gospel endurance as we press on in our God-given mission. The grace of God gives us gospel endurance as we press on in our God-given mission. And Paul's going to lay this out very simply for us in these verses. He's going to use three illustrations, two real-life examples, and a poem. All of which are going to call us as believers to gospel endurance. It's three illustrations, two real-life examples, and a poem. So as I mentioned, Paul did write this letter to Timothy. And you see, these guys, they were just, they were kindred spirits. See, Paul had led Timothy to the Lord. And so we'll see in the text, he's his son in the faith. Even more than that, his protege. But maybe more importantly, these guys were just really good friends. Uh, They worked together, partners in ministry. And if you have a relationship with the person who led you to the Lord or have served alongside them, then you can understand the bond that can be formed in the trenches of, of ministering, ministering together. And it is that relationship that forms the emotion and the passion that we're going to read today. See, these two, these two took mission trips together. And Timothy was Paul's first call when he was in need. And now Timothy was the one carrying on the torch as Paul awaits his fate in jail. It's that relationship that's the background for what we're going to read. And the emotion. Because now Timothy, he's not doing so good. He's on his own, and things aren't going well. He's been getting pushback. He's struggling. He's discouraged. People aren't taking him seriously because he's young. And things are getting tough. Yet his mentor's in jail while he's trying to continue the mission in this sea of theological confusion and discouragement. And so in this letter, if you read the whole thing, you see this underlining theme of encouragement to press on, especially when things are difficult. Enduring despite discouragement. See, Paul is trying to encourage this young guy. In fact, over 25 times in this letter, you would see a word of encouragement. Now, in my Bible, 2 Timothy is like three pages long. Yet over two dozen times, you see a word of encouragement. This theme just explodes off the page. And our specific text is is the same. Look at with me at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. Paul says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I hope in even the first verses you see how personal this is, especially understanding the circumstances. But I think how he says this is it's just beautiful. Paul, the great apostle, who's chained to a wall, says, my son, stay strong. Don't give up. You see, it's setting the stage, underlining, reinforcing this theme of encouragement to press on, even in the face of heartbreaking discouragement. Now, we, as particularly Americans, but also just as human beings, we like to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Uh, when things get tough, we just press on through the difficulty with the grit that we come up with, that we forge ahead, 
we make it through. Timothy wasn't an American, but he was a human. And he would have been tempted in the same way. To try to make it through on his own strength. But Paul says, that's not what I'm calling to you. Calling you to. He says, no, my son. You're to be strong in the grace of God. I know you're bright. I know you're talented. I know you're hardworking. But those things ultimately will not get you through the difficulties of this life. You see, you need to find your strength, not in yourself, but in the grace of God. When things are tough in life, particularly as we think about our ministry, it's tempting to just rely on ourselves, to just power through, forge ahead. But that won't last very long. In fact, you notice in verse 1, we really, he's setting up a contrast. He says, you then, or you therefore. Because in the verses just before this, he had listed off some people who had bailed on him. Uh, the things got tough, and, and they got out of there. And Timothy would have been tempted in the same way. And so he's begging him to press on. But to do so specifically leaning on God's grace. That unearned favor that he freely, abundantly gives to us. Now many Christians, they they totally affirm and believe that we are saved by grace through faith. That it's a total gift of God. Nothing that we can do or earn. Yet, once it comes to their Christian life... They think that the rest of it's up to us. That we have to earn it all, the rest, after our salvation on our own. But Paul says that's not how that works. That's not where we are to find our strength. It's in his grace. It's by his grace that we're able to step forward each day, even as a believer. Well, what is Timothy specifically not supposed to give up on? Uh, well, we see in verse 2, Timothy is called to press on with his mission. Uh, passing on the truth of the gospel. That's why this morning we're calling it gospel endurance. See, Paul had taught Timothy a whole lot, and now it was his mission to pass it on to people who could then teach it to others, and they could pass it on. You see, it's this beautiful transfer of the gospel from generation to generation that even we today benefit from. I love how Chuck Swindoll describes it. He calls it the relay of truth. This responsibility that we have to pass the blessing that is the gospel on to others. Now, Timothy, of course, had a very specific role in this relay of truth. Right? He's the protege of the Apostle Paul. He's in the first century church, planting, planting churches. But there's a great word for us here as well. Because, you see, we, all of us, we, we too have a mission, a role to play in God's plan. People that he has placed in our lives to whom we too can be a witness. Participate in that relay. But the reality is, sometimes, if we're being honest, that can just, that can just be tough. It's tough for Timothy too. You see, he's kind of out on his own. He's getting pushed back. Things weren't going as well as they could be. And this whole witness thing was just getting overwhelming. I mean, to do this day in and day out, Especially if you experience rejection. That, all that life can throw at you, that can be a tough reality to live for not just a a few weeks or a year, but for a lifetime. And it certainly was for Timothy. And he was just really, relatively speaking, just getting started. And so with the call to stay strong in God's grace, 
Paul is going to get, keep encouraging this guy and help him grasp a gospel endurance. And in these next verses, he's going to do it with three illustrations. Look with me at verses 3 through 7. Paul says, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles themselves in the affairs of everyday life, so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to receive his share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So we see three illustrations encouraging us to press on with our mission, to live as a witness, even when it's tough, to have gospel endurance. And those are a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Now, each of these have slightly different nuances, emphasis, perspective, but generally they're encouraging Timothy to the same thing. You see, Paul wants Timothy to have a singularity of focus, a passion for his mission, an understanding of God's design, and a vision for the ultimate goal. These pictures are designed to encourage Timothy and encourage us to gospel endurance. So let's, let's break them down just a little bit. First, we see the soldier. The illustration that Paul specifically links to suffering. Now, I've never been in war, uh, but I have been blessed to know uh, several brothers and sisters in Christ, and know them pretty well, actually, who have been. And from what they tell me, there's certain things in the middle of a war that, as a soldier, they just don't matter. You know, we as civilians, there's this these issues of everyday life, as the text says, of, of the affairs of everyday life, that we give a lot of mental energy to. That when you're in battle, it's just not a big deal. It's not a focus. Because you have bigger things to worry about. There's a singular purpose given through a chain of command. And so Paul is saying, Timothy, as a soldier for Christ, remember your main mission. Don't get distracted by the little stuff, even though those things might not even be bad necessarily. But you have bigger things to worry about. They're not your focus. Like a soldier, you're part of something big, and you're doing it for somebody important. Now, in a similar way, Paul discusses athletes. Um, I've already confessed this morning that I was not exactly a star athlete. uh, But we do all understand the concept of playing fair. Whether you turn on ESPN or open a newspaper, you're constantly seeing the truth of this verse being played out. Uh, People are always trying to cheat. Whether it's steroids or deflate gate, people are always trying to find a new way to not play by the rules. And what often happens is these same folks, they get stripped of their prize. Or they put a little asterisk by their name. Because that's not how the game works. And Paul's reminding Timothy that there is a prize waiting for him. And it might be tempting to try to avoid the next hurdle or give up on the next lap or find some kind of shortcut... But by God's grace, we press on. See, if you're on God's team, you signed up to play by God's rules. And as a believer, part of this whole witness thing, part of our whole mission, is that sometimes it's just difficult, and God has called us to stick to it anyway. Not in our own strength, but by His grace. And so like an athlete, we are called to gospel endurance. So our third illustration, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a soldier, uh, I was never much of an athlete, but I did grow up on a farm. So verse 6 is speaking a little more of my language. 
And you know, farming is kind of a funny business. I mean, you work all year long, pretty much all day, every day, and you get paid basically once, <laughs> harvest. But that payday is, is pretty special. You know, as a kid growing up on the farm, I loved harvest. You could literally smell it in the air. And there was this special sense of excitement and, and joy in the work because harvest was the goal. That's what the whole year was working towards, was that harvest. Sure, it took a lot of work, early mornings, even praying and, and hoping, uh, but harvest was the goal, and that was the reward in mind. At least for those who put in the work. I mean, it would be awesome to take your combine around the whole county and just harvest everyone's field, uh, but that's not how it works. You get to harvest the field you worked. The idea is that the person who puts in the work gets the reward. That there is inherent work. There's inherent toil involved. But it's not in vain. We're working towards something glorious. Now Paul says in verse 7, think about this stuff. Mull it over. God will help you understand. Because you see, whether it's a soldier or an athlete or a farmer, all of these illustrations are urging Timothy to not give up. To forge ahead in battle. To strive to the finish line. Because harvest is coming. And they all encourage Timothy to stick with his mission even when it's difficult. Now remember, we're living a life of grace. In that first verse, Paul very specifically said that this whole gospel endurance thing is a grace-based endeavor. We don't earn our salvation, and even as believers, we don't earn favor with God. That it's all a gift from Him. Even our mission itself is a manifestation of His grace in our life. A gift. And part of that gift is a reward waiting for the faithful. A reward we're called to remember when this witness thing gets very difficult. When we feel like throwing in the towel and giving up. But Paul is trying to help us here, whether through the, the soldier, the athlete, the farmer, to give us a framework for how to think about gospel endurance. Well, illustrations, of course, are helpful. Uh, but in these next verses, uh, Paul is going to get real. Remember our outline. He gave us three illustrations. And then now he's going to give us two real-life examples of what it looks like in real life for gospel endurance to be lived out. It's with Jesus and Paul himself. So look at verses 8 through 10 with me. He says, Remember Christ Jesus, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment as a criminal. But the word of God is not imprisoned. For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they may also obtain Salvation, which is in Christ Jesus, and with it, eternal glory. Timothy, do you want to know the ultimate example of gospel endurance? You take a second and you remember Jesus. The God-man who endured everything that this world could throw at him, even to the point of death, as he pressed on with his mission. And I love how Paul describes Christ here, uh, really encouraging Timothy to focus on two key points. The fact that Jesus is risen and that he's a descendant of David. Well, what's he saying there? He's saying that Jesus lives as the sovereign authority over the whole of the universe in fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises. 
These are two key elements of truth so vital to who Christ is that Paul says at the end of verse 8, as the NIV puts it, this is my gospel. See, Jesus is the ultimate example of how to run this marathon well. And Paul is calling us to remember that, to remember him. I mean, imagine for a second gospel endurance in the life of of Jesus himself. We read in the gospels uh, that... On a daily basis, Jesus was attacked, misunderstood, rejected. And often it all happened by his own family and friends. But that was just the day in and day out experience. You see, Christ knew that it was going to get a whole lot worse before it got better. His humiliating trial, excruciating death. But the reason Paul cites him as the ultimate example for gospel endurance is that Jesus knew the difficulty he was facing was not the end of the story. He understood gospel endurance. And we, like Timothy, are called to remember that. To remember Jesus Christ. Well, our second real life example is is Paul himself. You see, Paul wasn't asking his friend to do anything that he himself wasn't already doing. Paul was living this principle out as he wrote the letter. I've mentioned he was in jail, most likely literally chained up to a wall, awaiting an almost sure death. Treated as a criminal for the gospel. But this was just Paul's most recent predicament. You remember from Acts, he was stoned, beaten, shipwrecked. And now currently chained up, waiting to die. All for being a Christian. Specifically for pursuing his mission. For pressing on with his mission. I mean, talk about a marathon of a mission. And what motivates gospel endurance in the mind of Paul? Well, a few things he points out for us. First, we see this powerful reminder that the world could throw every single one of us as Christians in jail. Uh, They could pass laws to keep us quiet, rules at our, our workplaces to stop us from sharing, but they can never contain the word of God, the message of the gospel. And it's the spread of the gospel, our mission. That's what truly motivates Paul here. I mean, do you see what he says in verse 10? It's, it's powerful. He says, The reason that I go through all of this, the reason I even try to make it through this marathon is for the sake of those who will come to Christ, the elect. The possibility of people trusting in Jesus allowed Paul to endure. The idea is as a part of my mission, God, he just might use some of this difficult stuff to, as the text says, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus. You see, this is why I've been calling this gospel endurance. Because Paul is specifically linking this whole conversation within the context of the spread of the gospel. The people placing their faith in him. See, that's how Jesus lived. That's how Paul lived. That's how he's calling us to live. And so we've seen this gospel endurance laid out with three illustrations... We saw our two real-life examples, and now he's going to give us one more, uh, a poem. Now, when I say poem, all I mean is that these next few verses are lyrical. They they maybe even were a hymn. Uh, Songs at their core are are poems. And so we know this is what Paul is doing because he tells us. You see at at the beginning of verse 11, he says this little phrase, this is a trustworthy statement. Now, that's going to show up throughout the New Testament in places, and all that's doing is giving us a clue 
that we're about to get something that was packaged. Uh, it was organized. Again, maybe even a hymn. In my Bible, in fact, these verses are indented. They're set off to the side. Because it's something that would have been recognized and roll off the tongue. You know, we do this very same thing with packaging accepted core beliefs. If I were to say, Jesus loves me, this I know, you could respond by, for the Bible tells me so. Somebody knows it at least. Yes. Jesus loves, yeah, this is the same kind of idea. It would roll off the tongue. It's recognizable. It's, it's understood as, as solid biblical truth. And that's what he's going to give to us here. So with this poem, Paul is going to one more time remind Timothy of God's grace and gospel endurance. Just in a concise, memorable way. Look at verses 11 through 13 with me. It's a trustworthy statement. For if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Now you can easily notice the structure of this poem, right? Four couplets or pairings, all beginning with this hypothetical situation with the word if. And the first two are really positive and encouraging. Those, these are really encouraging verses. He says, if we die with him, that the same idea from Romans chapter 6. If we die to the power of sin, then we will live with him. We're given life and it's new, it's eternal. Uh, the same in the second pairing, that if we endure with him, this idea of pressing on in difficulty, then we will reign with him. We have a future and a hope. And these two positive parts of the poem, we see this pattern being set, where we are being identified with the actions associated with Christ. See, the poem is pairing our actions with that of God's. And the negative half will do the same thing. He says, so if, if you deny Christ, and we're not talking about a moment of weakness or doubt, if you altogether walk away from this thing, the text says he will do the same. He will deny us. And this is a tough verse because... It, He's not saying that he will deny us rewards or some other thing. The actual grammar, we are the object of denial. It says he will deny us. And I think he's bringing this stuff up in the context of endurance and suffering. Because sometimes when things are difficult, people show their true colors. But verse 13, our last couplet, it gets very interesting. And I think it highlights our point. We've seen this pattern where what we do in situations is, is mirrored and reflected in God's actions, his response, except for when we are faithless. In some texts, when we are unfaithful. Now, why does Paul change the pattern here? Well, I think it's to highlight a point. And, and two, because Paul can't bring himself to say Jesus is unfaithful. No, Jesus is always faithful. And that's the point of the poem. You see, at the end of the day, none of what we do can affect his character. And this little song is reminding us that God's faithfulness, which is a gracious gift, his faithfulness, it motivates us to be faithful to him, especially when things are difficult. And it's by his grace, by his faithfulness, that you can not not just survive, But run this race that he's given us and run it with endurance. Specifically, as you do so in the relay of truth. 
Spreading the gospel to those who he's placed in your life. So we saw three illustrations, two real life examples, one poem, all of us reminding of our main, all of which remind us of our main point. That the grace of God is what gives us gospel endurance as we press on in our mission. So this morning as you read this, you might ask yourself, well, what's my mission? I'm not the Apostle Paul. I'm not his protege, Timothy. What do I need gospel endurance for? Well, let me say without hesitation this morning that if you're a believer in Christ, you do, in fact, have a mission. You are a part of this relay relay of truth. And you, too, need God's grace for endurance. Whether it's a chance encounter with somebody or a lifelong friend, God has put people in our lives to whom we can share, to whom we can be a witness. You see, as I mentioned, I believe this message has a very special application for the mission each of us has to share the gospel. Remember, Timothy was on the front lines of the expansion of the early church. He went on mission trips with Paul. Paul specifically links his motivation here with the spread of the gospel. And later in the letter, he'll say, Timothy, you need to do the work of an evangelist. You see, that's the context in which Paul is having this conversation. So again, I say, what about us? Well, I want to finish our time, which, which is brief, um, with a very special application here for what I would call our personal long-term witness. Family. Friends, co-workers, neighbors, people that we would see over and over, who maybe we've prayed for, tried to talk to, even over the period of decades, yet some of them maybe have yet not yet come to Christ. And I think it is in this realm that we especially need the grace of God for gospel endurance. Now, if you can relate to that on any level, having a friend or a family member or a co-worker or whoever who doesn't yet know Jesus, that I'm guessing it can be especially tempting to be discouraged in your witness. Especially as we think about these next few months, where we maybe we'll see some of these people over the holidays. To view it just as another year of maybe possibly tense, awkward conversations where we just try to have some sort of continual long-term witness. And if you're anything like me, sometimes it's tempting to even just kind of give up on it and not, not push it anymore. Well, if you find yourself discouraged this year, this morning, in, in your long-term witness, let me challenge you, by the grace of God, to take courage. You see, God has called us for the long haul. This marathon that is the Christian life. But a major difference between the race that we're running and those events that I tried to run as a middle schooler is just that, the grace of God. Those track coaches, they just wanted me to work harder, to practice longer, to if I didn't have the strength, to develop it on my own. But that's not how it works in the Christian life. You see, your marathon of a mission, your endurance in this realm, is only by His grace. So whether it's a Thanksgiving dinner, or, or the guy in the cubicle next to you, His grace is sufficient for your witness to whatever person or or group of people who might come to mind. And it's by that grace that we can have a faithful witness over the long haul. Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't yet put your faith in Christ. 
I'm guessing, if that is you, you've wondered, at least at some point in your life, why we as believers care so much. Why do we spend so much time praying and pleading and and trying to share with you, trying to get you to turn to Christ? Maybe Maybe these verses give you a little bit of a framework. Uh, And if that is you, let me assure you, there is people in your life where that's the case. That they press on every day enduring with the hope that you would place your faith in Jesus. But here's the thing. Their love and their endurance absolutely pales in comparison to how Jesus himself feels about you. In fact, in another letter, uh, Paul says that God is patiently waiting because his desire, his heart, is that you would turn to him. And that's despite the fact that you, and not just you, all of us have offended his holy character by our sin. So if you would like to know what that means to place your faith in Christ, or have questions about it, or just want to talk to someone, our prayer room here in the back is is open. One of our leaders will be in there, and they'd love to talk with you. If you're a believer this morning, and, and you could use some prayer or someone to talk to as well, it's open for you as well. Uh, may this week we find our strength Not in ourselves, but in the grace of God as we press on with our mission.